Hello. Hello and welcome to episode eight of the Average Gamers podcast. Can you believe it, Adam? We've made it to eight episodes. Wow, I know. I, I can't honestly believe it. This is this must be 2x plus two times a lady. <laughs> <laughs> what a joke. On with the show. <laughs> Okay, so since our last episode, Adam, what have you been playing? Oh, come on, Lee. You know that I haven't played as much as you have. What have you been playing first? Come on, we'll start with you. What have I been playing? Wow, okay. Um, where do I start? Uh, I've been playing... I suppose predominantly Kill Team has been the one that I've played the most lately. There's been a few of us, uh, sort of uh, friends, new and old, that have been getting back into Kill Team, which is good, getting back to our 40k roots. Yeah, that's uh, it's done by GW, isn't it? It is, yeah. It's Games Workshop's skirmish version of Warhammer 40,000. I suppose it's it's not as detailed as, as other skirmish systems, but it, it you know it does the job. It's a nice, quick game. Fly through it. It's quite cheap to buy in. Like I think one of our friends bought his Kill Team for about 20 quid. So, oh, nice. Yeah, really, really. I think Games Workshop have really actually done a really good job with it. Um, and can you use existing miniatures or do you have to like buy new sets for this? No, you can use your existing miniatures. They've actually, what they've done, which is quite clever, is that the squad selections are limited to what comes in the box set of models. So like you can't have the choice of all the heavy weapons in your certain units because that box set that you would buy doesn't come with all those options. So in a way they've kind of catered to newer players and it means that a veteran player won't necessarily have an advantage in terms of, oh, you know, I've got all these ridiculous amounts of high-powered weaponry and I can just flood it, whereas a new player coming in can only buy, you know, 10 guys with rifles and maybe one's got a flamethrower if he's lucky. It's actually quite well-balanced in that respect. I mean, it's not a perfectly balanced game, but as long as you, you know, have the gentleman's agreement and, you know, you don't be a dick, it's it's actually a fine game. <laughs> Rule number one of the average gamers, don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. That's, that should be just everyone's motto in life, really. If everyone wasn't a dick then life would be a lot simpler i tell you what i was having a conversation with one of the um one of the war corps in the uk earlier uh, today callum um and he pointed me at a few um forum threads uh, on infinity where people just go like so in depth in the rules and try and question every little trying to find uh, a loophole yeah yeah, he's trying to find that loophole trying to be like can i break the system so i can abuse it and, you know, the war calls are there doing a great job saying, like, you know, the rules are pretty clear on this. And they're just, they push and push and push. And it honestly, it just takes the fun out of gaming. Mm. Like, why do people do it? Why do you need to find that loophole? Yeah, I've never understood that. Like, there's so many people. It's like, well, it doesn't say I can't do this, but, you know, does that mean I can do it? You just think, well, it doesn't say that I can't flip the table and kick all your models across the floor, but I'm not going to do it, am I? It's... That kind of principle is just stupid, some people. Yeah, it just drives me mad. And do you know, like, it's never been something that I found interesting in gaming is picking those kind of like very minutiae details out of the rules. Like, you want to build something and you want to play a game and you kind of want to have fun and you want the rules there to facilitate that fun, but you don't really want to be looking for a way to game your opponent out yeah. of like a victory or something like that. Mm. It just doesn't. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't sit with me, and I'm not sure how that that classifies itself as fun I've never really thought about yeah it's just no I can't figure it out either to be honest it's, it's a certain type of person I think that, that plays that kind of game I think thankfully nobody in our group does that as far as I'm aware 
Unless I've been gamed out of a few wins, I'm not sure. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> so tell us a bit more about um, the couple of games of Kill Team that you've had. What were you playing? And uh, how did oh, blimey. It okay, so the most recent ones I played against a friend of ours, Chris. He had his... He, he dug out some orcs from his parents' garage. What? Before, yeah, I know. It's crazy. And he actually had enough to do a Kill Team. So he had some orc commandos, which were good fun to play against. I used my Dark Eldar. Uh, and we just played a game of 40k because he wanted to relearn that we, we used to play together years ago and since he moved away he sort of has only just gotten back into the game lately so we played a game of 8th edition first then we went on to Kill Team and I managed to make the horrendous mistake of forgetting that the turn order is slightly different in Kill Team than it is to 40k so I, I ran some Dark Elder out in front of these orcs with the intention of charging and then realised that I couldn't I was supposed to do that in the movement phase oh, no. So they just stood there and got charged by orcs, and it was over pretty quickly. Uh, then we played. Who else? I played uh, my friend Lee, another Lee. Um, he had Imperial Guard against my Death Watch Space Marines, and my God, Imperial Guard can take a lot of special weapons. There were melter guns everywhere, and melter guns are not good against Space Marines. Oh, not geez. at all. Even even though like because you've got like to hit modifiers in Kill Team, which you don't have in for regular forty k. So they're not hitting very often, but when they do, my God, it hurts. Especially when you've only got like five models against 15. One melter gun hurts quite a lot. So yeah, that was Kill Team. Um, after that, what else have I been playing? Oh, Star Saga, that's another one. I've uh, been digging out the old dungeon crawler from Mantic Games, the sci-fi version. Myself and friend John, we did a, a bit of a marathon day session of that game through three or four missions I want to say from the top of my head and yeah I, it's good fun it's not quite as polished as Imperial Assault there's a few issues I have with both the graphic design and the kind of rule set that irk me a bit so we kind of house ruled a couple of things to make it flow a bit better but actually on the whole it's like the the storyline behind the missions is quite fun the models are pretty cool and it's it's been a good laugh. We're playing it again, actually, this weekend. I think we're going to do another marathon and try and finish the campaign that comes in the core box before my uh, friend gets his Kickstarter second wave, which has got a new campaign. So I'm really look, quite looking forward to playing that, and that's been good fun. Yeah, you um, you picked that up when we were at the um, UK Games Expo, didn't you? And did. Was, I got you... absolute Bobby Dazzler on <laughs> yeah, it. Bobby Dazzler. <laughs> you picked that, what, it was like almost half price, it was wasn't it? Exactly half price, oh yeah. My God. 50% off, and it's like, well, I'd be mad to turn that down I think so yeah, yeah I'm quite glad I picked that up it's interesting Mantic have got this way of releasing like a great I think they call themselves like the, the budget war games uh, company don't they or something like uh, that I don't know if they go like, along those lines uh, but kind of unofficially maybe yeah perhaps they do uh, well maybe they go like an affordable war games company I don't know mm. but definitely you can tell um, their stuff is put out there en masse and I think they do a really good job of producing it but I don't know. For me, it's that kind of that quality and the attention to detail that maybe some of the other manufacturers have that kind yeah, of put me off buying. Mantic. I think we're we're spoiled in the sort of uh, Corvus Belly and Games Workshop world of having sort of very high quality miniatures. Mantic is I find it's hit and miss. They're getting better. Like a lot of their PVC stuffs actually pretty decent. Um, but yeah, some of the dreadful stuff we've had in the past has been bloody awful. 
But they're they're good sculptors, right? Because we've yeah. seen it, and and you will talk about this later because you've done one of their uh, metal miniatures recently. You've painted it up, oh, and we yes, used it yeah. in um, the RPG we did. And actually, I was really surprised that was a Mantic miniature. Mm. Um, so they know how to produce good quality miniatures, but it's that kind of production that they put into it that maybe sometimes lets it down. Yeah, um, I think I'd agree. Yeah, I think maybe they they kind of go to the the lowest bidder, obviously, with some of their production, and yeah, it shows now and again. It's like I say, it's it's on the it's on the upturn, you know. It's improving, but yeah, coming from where we've been, you know, we we are quite spoiled with the quality of some of the miniatures we buy. So, what's the difference between like playing um, that dungeon, like sci-fi dungeon crawler, and let's say another one? Let's use the example of um, you know, every most people know Space Hulk. Mm-hmm. Like, what's the kind of differences between that kind of style of dungeon crawler? So. With Space Hulk, it's very much a 1v1 game. Uh, this it, Star Saga is more like a... It's more of your traditional kind of, you know, your hero quest or your Imperial Assault. You've got a one versus many, or in this instance as well, you've also got an AI deck that will handle the bad guys for you if you want to play it purely cooperatively, or solo even. Uh, so... It's, it's not quite as hidden as Space Hulk. Like, you know, Space Hulk has... The map is fully revealed for the most part, I think. There might be some missions where it's not. And you have blips, which represent the kind of radar pings on everyone, on all the motion trackers, a la aliens. In Star Saga, it's not quite the same. It's more the... It's almost RPG-esque in that you only see what the characters can see until you open a door. And then you reveal the rest of the map kind of thing. So... And there's, there's a lot of, like... You can loot sort of pieces of furniture and, and scenery that's there. But it's not sort of necessarily spelled out, so it's a bit more RPG-like. Like it's like you know, you, you go into a room and there's a description. They say you know when when the heroes enter this room, read this, and it'll say you know strewn about on the table, and you know there's a filing cabinet. And unless the players actively search the filing cabinet, they don't necessarily know that they need to do that. Whereas certain other games, like I think Imperial Assault, will say search the filing cabinets for evidence of X. Okay, so it's, it's got that kind of almost um, choose your own adventure style play to it. A little bit, yeah. It's kind of I think it's it's a bit schizophrenic in some ways because in some instances it does tell you quite explicitly what to do, and in others it will be kind of left open, and it kind of works both ways. Like in some ways it's really good, and in others it's like well, if you're a pure board game player, I've noticed that a lot of pure board game players don't like ambiguity. They like it to be spelled out. Like I need to do this within this number of turns because it doesn't have that some people can be a bit frustrated with it and they can sort of say well it wasn't clear what I had to do therefore it's obviously a failing of the rules or or something so it's kind of one of those it needs a bit of a GM player as well which is you know for me is not a a bad thing that some people obviously don't like that and how do you find the um, because obviously one of the things you mentioned there was not having the entire map on the table um, have you found instances where you've had to shift things along because it's kind of gone off in a direction that you haven't really laid the board um, out for? Or It probably has happened to somebody like who's who's played the game, but because when we've been playing it, my, my friend and I, we, we both own a copy, so we're both kind of... We would have flicked through the book at some Definitely. occasion, you know, with without wanting to spoil it for ourselves, but you kind of... You have a rough idea of the map pieces you need beforehand, so... If one of you's taken command, you set the map up, and you probably know which way it's going to go anyway. So it's not it's not really come up that often, unless you sort of mis misjudge how much table space you need. 
And and what 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 about the kind of character design? Um, are they quite unique in themselves? The characters you play as um, have they done anything unique that you maybe that you haven't seen in any other games? Mm, not anything. There's nothing that really blows my mind. You know, you've got your your captain who and she's like you know skilled with a gun. You've got your kind of tech. It's like a robot that has very little in the way of actual attacks, but can do all the kind of tech stuff, you know, like hack open doors oh, and, nice, and all that nice, kind of stuff. Okay. You've got a dwarf engineer who can throw out sentry guns. He's brilliant. He's my favourite. <laughs> of course he is. You love anything that can throw out a gun, heavily armoured, doesn't Indeed. need to take da- damage. Yeah, exactly. Um, what else? There's like a, it's quite a cool cast of characters. I mean, there's, uh, there's an alien, he's a, a Judd one, I think it is, which is like the grey kind of alien. They're like normally quite peaceful. Oh, this one's just yeah. an absolute like combat monster. He's like an exile from his oh, race. Nice. He's just become a badass with a sword. <laughs> Um, what else is there? Oh, there's a psychic alien. I can't remember which species he is, but he's quite fun because he can just like you know target people through walls and things oh, with his cool. psychic abilities. Um, who are the other characters? You've got the the other the sixth character that comes in the core box. I'm I'm not a big fan of. He's he basically he's just like a bloke in a trench coat with a flamethrower and a cigar in his mouth, and I'm just well, doesn't do it for me. So I don't, <laughs> I don't really pay him any attention because we just, we found that the other four minus the the bot are actually a really good quartet of characters to use okay so and, and there's you typically play as four characters yeah the, um, there's I think every mission so far has been for up to four characters and we found that four is a good number to be can honest you, can you play with less or is that you could yeah I think it, it pretty much follows the same mould as Imperial Assault you know you end up with one of the characters gets an extra activation if you've got less than four or if you start with less than four but I, I think if it's not that hard to keep track of like one or two characters Per player, so oh, so you would say it's primarily like a two, two to f- two or four person game, as opposed to would you have three? Would you want to play it with three? You players could do it with or? three and have the fourth as like we have to actually we have done it with three, where we had the fourth was like a communal kind of decision. It's like well, what should we have them do? So it kind of works with with that kind of number. And they um the Star Saga set actually comes with a bunch of interior scenery, doesn't it? Which it is does, quite yeah. cool. Which is something different that a lot of board games maybe just use tokens for this. Yeah, yeah, that was kind of the kicker for me. Actually, was all the scenery and the doors and such because it's very handy for RPGs as well. And yeah, that's I quite like that. It, it actually gives a bit more of an element rather than like oh here's a filing cabinet and it's just a token. You actually put a, a table or a filing cabinet or a uh, what's another piece of scenery like a weapons rack and things like that so it, it kind of it just elevates that board a little bit more and makes it quite interesting to look at from a, from a distance yeah that sounds great well, it sounds like you guys have a really good time playing it and I mm. uh, look forward to hearing how the uh, end of the campaign goes well, it's, that's the hard thing see I can't really spoil it for our listeners we'll have to see um, what else have we played Adam? We, we must have played a couple of games together. What have we played? Yeah, so I think we've, um, this month, we've played, we definitely played Aristea a few times. We did, yes. Yeah, um, we did. we mm. gave the new set Smoke and Mirrors a go. Is it new? Isn't that like two new, sets? Uh, like that? No, uh, yes, no, yes, maybe. There was a new one that came out like last week or something, wasn't it? Yeah, so there's, there's the actually, there's loads of sets now. There's um, So they had the core set released, and mm-hmm. then we had um, the Soldiers of Fortune, We've had the Smoke and Mirror set, mm-hmm. and now they've just released Human Fate. 
so that's we're on the third set, and we've got a four set due before the end of the year, which is the legendary Bahadurs. What's a Bahadur? I don't know what the legendary Bahadurs are. Well, if any I listeners can a, tell us, then you know, please enlighten I, us. I think it's meant to be like legendary fighters. I think uh, Bahadurs okay. is maybe fighters in Spanish. Someone will have to look that up. Yeah. Because clearly, I have not done my research for this episode. We'll ask Jeeves a bit later. Ask Jeeves. See what he says. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we're on the third set at the moment, and we gave those a go. So that gives us a total of um, do do do. We we only played with the two first sets, so we've got we had sixteen mm. characters to choose from. Yeah, which was um, really interesting actually, because I played a, a load of games at the start of the year just with the core set, um, but haven't had that much opportunity to play many other games um, with the series. But it's great to see how it's now coming into its own and having that kind of unique play style for each of the individual characters. Mm. Um, Yet they're still very well designed in terms of the archetypes. So even though the characters feel quite different, you still know that like this person is a tank, for example. Yeah. Um, and I think they've done a really good job in that. Uh, how how did you feel? Because obviously you've not played as much as I have. Yeah. So I I love the the direction and the style of it. Actually, it's it's really kind of. <sighs> It is unique, but it's not unique. It's kind of familiar whilst being unique, if that makes sense. So it feels very kind of Overwatch or... Um, I think Street Fighter, wasn't it? Is what you likened it to when you went to the design studio. That's kind of their inspiration, isn't it, for the character roster kind of image that they have when they put lump all the characters together. And I quite like that. It's like, yeah, you can... Oh, yeah, th- this is my team. I-, I prefer to use this character because I like the way that this move works, etc. You know, you can you can really feel a bit of a connection to the characters. And what was what were the what were the four characters that we tried out with Smoke and Mirrors? Yeah, so we tried um, Ta- Tawu, who's like oh, yes. a, he's like an Asian sorcerer. Shang Tsung, basically. Yeah. Isn't he? yeah. <laughs> um, we tried out Cosmo, who's like a giant mecha robot woman. Um, no, isn't the robot a he, and it's controlled by a female pilot backstage or something? Isn't well, the... if you maybe you've read more than I have, I don't know. but I. Um, definitely cool big robot who jumps around and supports teammates. Throws smoke everywhere. Throws smoke cool. everywhere. That was annoying as hell. Um, <laughs> then you've got um, Mendoza, who's like Inquisitor Mendoza, who is yep. the uh, shotgun file wielding demon uh, who also heals his teammates. Yeah, he's a beast. And then you also have the the werewolf guy. What's his name? Oh, um, Muter, I think his name M- is. Yeah, that's Muter. it, Muter. Yeah, he's like. Uh, Scottish werewolf, or half werewolf, isn't he? He's kind of—is it dogs? No, what's what's the? I think they're dog warriors or dog, dog soldiers, something like that, um, isn't it? Yeah, he—he's just an angry werewolf in a kilt, and it's—it's yeah. it's quite funny. He, he's like he, Teen Wolf, basically. Yeah, like yeah. Se- semi uh, semi wolf. Mm. He does not like fire. Was no, what, was, was the biggest takeaway I could take from that game. It's like as soon as that. I think was it was it Cosmo or was it the Inquisitor or was it a combination of both? I think pretty much everyone just burned down with fire in that one. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest, oh, like it was everyone, horrible. there was so much fire everywhere. But it was a good game. It was really really close right up until the last. And I think that's every game of Aristea that you or I have played, and also other people in our group have played. It's always been down to the last kind of roll. I yeah. think, isn't it? Is there no, nobody's had a runaway kind of win, as far as I'm aware, in our group. No, I mean, I, I played Jay uh, a couple of weeks ago as well. I was giving him an intro game. I think mm. it's, he, he may have played one game before. Um, but literally down to the wire. And, you know, this is me who... I, I've played maybe 10 to 12 games of Aristea. Mm. This is Jay's second. It's still super close. It's really good 
good to see kind of the balancing coming into mm. it and I think it is kind of once you get used to the rules it is fairly simple to understand what's going on the yeah. complexities in the game come down to how all the combos work and when mm. to initiate the combos like you were saying uh, very much Street Fighter-esque in that it's about the mastery of the characters and the combos and when to mm. execute them rather than to burn through all of your combos at the start and then realise you kind of left yourself exposed. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of a weird one for me, actually, because I always thought I'd hate that kind of style of gameplay. When when I was uh, introduced to War Machine years ago, yeah. and like a lot of people say that's a very combo-heavy game, and I'm like, oh, no, I won't like that. But actually, I've been looking more and more at the games I've played and enjoyed over the last couple of years, and actually they have been quite combo-heavy. Oh, really? Sort of guilty, yeah. Aristea is quite, Ooh. it's not combo-heavy, yeah. but... You know what I mean? The, the the fun of it is almost like unlocking that. It's like, oh yeah, if I do this, then it allows it to trigger this, then this. Something good will happen on the table. And it's like, yeah, X-Wing can be a bit like that. Aristea can be a bit like that. Shadespire can be a bit like that. Imperial, Imperial Assault. Assault can oh definitely be a bit oh, like that. Lee. It's like, oh no. He's going he's gonna to buy into War Machine. Here Welcome we go. to the average Lee. combos. <laughs> average combo gamers. <laughs> Oh, man. But yeah, no, it's a very it's what testament a dirty to that player. game. That's a master. <laughs> it is it is testament to that game though, that how close it is, like regardless of how uh, how ingrained in that game or how how experienced with that game you are. I think. Yeah, and it's interesting to hear what they're doing with the development of the game. So season two, they're intri- uh, in- introducing some uh, different arenas which oh, cool. affect the game in different ways. So, for example, you might have an arena that. Uh, displaces people, pushes them about uh, oh, wow. more than what they us- the, the usually do. Mm-hmm. You might have some arenas that heal people. Um, yeah, just really interesting what they're doing with those arenas and also the scenarios, which I should say they are introducing a ball-based scenario. Oh, really? So there is going to be some sort of like scoring ball-based game that they or scenario that they're going to introduce. That could be quite interesting. Um, but I think really watch this space because they've the world's their oyster and they've really got a nice sandbox that they can play with. Mm. That hexadome will give rise to lots of different new opportunities that are going to come into play. I'd like to I'd like to see what they can do with a four player or, or more than two player variant. That'd be quite interesting. Yeah, and I think, you know, you're seeing some of the new characters come out that are like throwing things around or making use of the scenery more, mm. but I think that that's going to be more pivotal, so the introduction of different types of scenery and things like that oh, as cool. well. Oh, cool. That'd be good. So That'll be more expense for me then if I yeah. ever decide to buy it. Buy all the things. I can't I can't have a board game with flat scenery. It just does my head in. Uh, cool. Uh, have you been playing anything else, Adam? Um, so the only other thing that springs to mind, really, is we, we had a uh, go at Deep Madness, which was... Yes, uh, the, the recent Kickstarter darling that's come out and has had some... Quite good reviews, isn't it? Despite all the kind of controversy around Lovecraft that's been flying around in the news lately. But yeah, I mean, let's, let's ignore that. Let's yeah, brush over that because it's not. It's not for this. Yeah. It's too highbrow. Um, <laughs> don't diss Lovecraft. We love him. He really. was a racist. He was a secret racist. But not really I a mean, secret. He was a massive racist. Right. But anyway, <laughs> let's move away from racism. We don't like to cover that. On no, the podcast. let's not. Um, so yeah, uh, Deep Madness is kind of your. What I want to say is, it's kind of inspired by Aliens, Deeps, uh, uh, Dead Space. There's some like video games. There's some pop culture that it really pulls. Isn't it on. like um, what's, is it Event Horizon as well? Yeah, like lot oh, the, and the Thing as well. Yeah, like that kind of um, cosmic slash kind of mutant alien threat mm. that's coming to kind of corrupt humans and uh, transmute them into kind of just like 
mess of flesh that kind of attacks people. It's kind of set on like an is it an underwater kind of colony city type thing, isn't it? It's not actually out in space. Is yes, it? but it's it's Bioshock. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it, it is Bioshock. Yeah, Bioshock. Yeah. No, uh, well, yeah, yeah, it kind of is. I guess you got the splices in Bioshock, but mm. essentially it's set underwater. You're a team that have been sent down there to recover. Uh, some of the gear or something. I got the impression. I can't I t- remember what you. No, I need. I need to read the. Uh, the I think story everyone. Book. Everyone has different uh, reasons why they've been sent down. Oh, okay. Um, but you know, it, what it was, what was nice about it, and what I felt kind of. Uh, was a fresh take on a dungeon crawler was it didn't feel like you were crawling you were sprinting you were running you through yeah. you were running through this board like i'm i'm drowning <laughs> <laughs> i need to get through this oh my god there's there's all these things coming after me and they just keep coming just wave it's after wave it's relentless it really is um and then they you know they've got you think you're all tooled up you think you can deal with them and then this thing comes up and just eats your gun and you're like <laughs> oh, food. like I'm running around with this really cool gun I'm like yeah come on come at me bitches <laughs> and and then all of a sudden it's like oh sorry that alien's now eating your gun I think and I'm like to you what about four times four times Lee four <laughs> times four different guns I was like no my favourite gun's every gone every time Where? you got a good gun it was eaten you're just feeding this monster guns it's like no actually pull the trigger yeah, and just give it the gun hope that it chokes but um, yeah so it was really interesting to try and do those scenarios and then leg it through the board I think we failed but we was we were so close to succeeding we it were, was pretty close yeah I think we were maybe like one turn away from getting that 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 game that we played with about four was it four or five of us yeah um, I think there were there were six was there not no there were there were five of us it was five was one it one token yeah, ah, right, so cool. extra um, but it, it was really nice. It felt fresh. It didn't feel like we were playing a dungeon crawler, from my perspective. No, no. It was it was sort of semi RPG esque, which I know will trigger Darren because he doesn't get RPGs, but it's his copy. And yeah, it kind of felt like there's there's almost like a hidden agenda. I don't think there's quite a traitor mechanic in it, is there? But it's mm. each the way each character was written that we used at least they had. Like one of them like functions better as a lone wolf and it kind of you know, if you play him in character, it's the only way you can get him to be any good. And it kind of it kind of makes you play them in theme. Like I I had a guy who was like a basically a, a criminal who's like a head in a jar. So he's in like this mech suit and he doesn't have to worry about oxygen, so he can just sort of stomp off and do stuff. And we but... shall call him Jarman. Jarman, yeah. I can't remember what his name was. Jar Jar. Jar Jar. Jar Jar Binks in his mech suit. But yeah, it was like the and yeah, the lone wolf character. I think kind of exemplified that. It was like you have to play him that way. You have to be a lone wolf with him, otherwise he's not going to be any good. He's just you might as well just have not bothered bringing him. And I quite like that. So I think positives in from my perspective, uh, definitely the the miniature quality was good. Mm, yeah, um, it was pretty good. And yeah. the the gameplay felt great. Um, yeah, couple couple of negatives. I think one of them I would say maybe the tiles were quite confusing at times to see where the break points were on certain yeah ones. that's actually yeah that's a very very good point I hadn't, I hadn't considered that at the time but actually now you mention it yeah I can remember looking it's like how, how many spaces are on this tile because it's not like a traditional grid mm. like most kind of dungeon crawlers for want of a better word it's the artwork is like nicely sort of done and nicely illustrated and it's kind of split by this kind of it's basically meant to simulate it's like a like faint light. light. Yeah, it? it's like light coming through, shining through from the next room or something. But it's yeah, sometimes it can be got hard to see. And I think maybe some of the water when when you've got water in that particular room, it's quite hard to see because you just put a token on the room, and sometimes that yeah. can 
throw you. I think I'd agree with you on that one. But, but that was really it. Like it was mm-hmm. just mainly that kind of like um, some of those minor components of the water, and yeah, really the kind of like telling where the rooms separated. But apart from that, I thought it was a really really great game. Mm. Um, they've just gone on to a second um, reprint or first reprint on Kickstarter. Already? So if, yeah, already. So wow. if 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 people missed it, maybe they kind of like overprinted on the first one, and now they've got uh, a stock maybe. of the yeah. Um, but I think they're releasing some additional bits as well. So, Isn't there like a second wave or something? Yeah, maybe. I, I, I must confess I didn't look at the Kickstarter because I know what I'm like with willpower <laughs> and Kickstarters, so I don't look at them. I'll tell you what, you, you you need to get on Kickstarter right now. There's several on there that look delicious. I'm actually quite tempted. At, at the time of recording, uh, Grimlord Games' new one, The Ever Rain, is due to go live in two days' time. Two days. Yeah, Wednesday, Wednesday night. I mean, we're we're actually out at a Halloween party that night, so we'll just make sure you purchase it at the party. Right? I'll bring my laptop along. We'll just get you <laughs> get you plumbed in. Have you got a Kickstarter? Yeah, you already do. I do You're have ready. a Kickstarter account. Yeah, you're yeah. ready. Cards maybe, in. maybe. I mean, there's a few issues with my employment at the moment, which means that I may not be able to. Uh, we'll worry about that later. <laughs> yeah. Stick it on the old credit card. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, th- so there's a couple of other ones. I mean, jumping uh, slightly off Deep Madness, but. Um, Monumental looks really good at the moment, okay, which is like a four, four X style game. Uh, um, what's 4X for anyone who's unfamiliar? You're gonna you're gonna challenge me uh, now. Throw like, this it, one right at you. Ex- Curveball. It's like explore, expand, exterminate, and then there's like extra fun. Extra, <laughs> extra fun. <laughs> yeah, explore, that's definitely what it is. Explore, expand, exploit. Is one exploit, is exterminate. Yeah, which I is think like that sounds about right. Which is like the core mechanics of the game. It's kind of like your sieve builder. You purchase things. You grow your force. You grow your territory. You exploit weaknesses of your opponents, and then you invade them and capture them and make then them you, beg for exploit, mercy. I think it's exploit resources, Shh, not exploit, exploit the weaknesses. <laughs> well, we'll get onto that, Lee, when we start talking about Twilight Imperium, because well, I think you're a massive exploiter of other people. Hey, hey, you know, I, I, well, we'll come on to that in a bit. <laughs> oh, right, okay. So, yeah, anyway, Monumental looks great as well. Cool. So I've been looking at that. What's the kind of theme of that? Um, it's it's Going like back to kind our of golden plates from a few episodes. Golden plates. <laughs> um, it's kind of um, ancient civilizations, so okay. it's more like Civ... Four, I guess Civ Four. So you're looking at like what sort of ancient Egypt, Greece, etc. Ancient Egypt, ancient Greece, a, uh, feudal Japan, ancient like America, ancient America, ancient Iceland, <laughs> ancient dinosaurs. Oh <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> no! So you've got these kind of like, and and the board is also built a bit in the way like you have tiles and you construct it each time you play, and it's like oh, a three so by like, three. Is it Inish as well as like that and. Um... Yeah, they're I mean, kind of connected. Builders, yeah. isn't it? They're like that, I guess. Yeah. Um, but it's meant to take like two hours to play through. Miniatures look great as well. So always a. Always oh, it's a good an actual miniature. Yeah, it's not a euro then. Uh, no. Okay, um, cool. But it looks great. I might look at that. Who knows? Mm. Good stuff. So anyway, shall we move on with the main show? Yeah, let's let's get on to the main meat, shall we? Okay, so tonight's main course, as it were, is uh, going to be about our recent role-playing game that we've been playing through, isn't it? I think this is the uh, fantasy role-playing, not the Star Wars one that I also run. So uh, why, don't, why don't you... Uh... Or not the one you do in the bedroom with your wife or other hey. partner. Hey! <laughs> Come on. 
<laughs> Come on, let's be honest yeah. here. That ain't going down. No, I've tried. <laughs> no, I haven't. I know you've got that costume in. <laughs> I've got that Jedi Jedi robe. Not a gold bikini. <laughs> anyway, so yes, um, uh, I've broken him. I've broken oh, him. No. Oh, back to back to the point. Back to reality. Okay, and breathe. So yeah, the, we've got a fantasy RPG. Uh, using the Genesis system from Fantasy Flight Games, uh, we've called it. I've called it the Tale of the Spicy the Rat. The Tale of the Spicy indeed, Rat. The, the Spicy Rat being a tavern where our party's adventure first begins. Uh, the name is itself a reference to uh, YouTube, a, a YouTube channel that I follow, who did a D and D adventure, which <laughs> which ended up with a spiced rat in it. Long long story. I'll I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. Um, so Adam, why don't you why don't you recap? Because I think it's better coming from you than from me. Because I, I know too much as the GM. Why don't you tell me what the kind of story so far has been? The story so far. Oh god! And then then we'll go, then we'll go into how Genesis works after that. But let's let's tell people about the story. First. You're testing me now because I'm yeah, not going to know remember. very specific. Uh, I'm not going <laughs> to remember the specifics of the story. But I've got him on the spot, ladies and gents. <laughs> our adventurers met in a in a tavern called the Tale of the Spicy Rat. No, it was just called the Spicy Rat. Is it called the <laughs> wow! Right, well, okay, we've fallen uh, at the first hurdle. <laughs> our adventurers began in a tavern called the Spicy Rat. Um, there are, f- how many of it? Five of us in the group. Uh, no, there's six of you, I think, isn't it? No, there's, oh yeah, there is six of us. Well, uh, let's, yeah, there is six of us. I, I, yeah, there is. Yeah, there's six, yeah. So, numbers are wrong. Yeah, Those that's it. Wrong anyway. we'll have to go, as you can see, it's, it's, it's a shambles. <laughs> so, there are six of us. Um, I think there's far too many elves for my liking um, <laughs> at the moment. So, we have a wood elf. We have, like, a dark elf. We have... Um, an elf elf. An elf elf, standard elf. Like, um, like Will Ferrell's elf. Which one's that? Who's the elf? Who's oh the, my oh, God, no, Santa, I know. I know him. No, I know no, who joking. that is. There I mean, isn't. who's the standard elf elf? Luke. Luke is the standard elf elf. Uh, we've got some some human that's been raised by foxes or wolves. Yep. Yes, a feral um, human. Yeah, feral human. <laughs> no, not quite feral. We've got a uh, an old wizard that has bladder problems. Yes, yes, he does. And we've got a Khajiit, uh, who, for those of you who don't know what that is, it's like a cat man, and that's me. Yeah. Cool, Mr. Catman. The, the feline. Or Shaka Khan, I It's not Shaka Khan, Lee. It's Shakir Dar. It's Shakir Dar is the character's name. <laughs> anyway, always mocked. Always mocked all the time. The pet. The group's pet, the group's I think, pet. is what we called him. Um, so, yeah, we, we started in the tavern called the Spicy Rat. Um, we stumbled upon a quest... Um, to investigate um, some, I think it was some murders or some guys. St- well, hang on, wait. As a you second. can see, this, this story Lee, that I, cra- that I spent hours let's, crafting let's has really this. sunk in with my so, players. <laughs> l- l- long and short of it, bloke stumbles into the tavern, keels over, he dies. We search him, we hear some noise outside, we go to investigate. We uh, turn up in a bakery, find some rat skaven man that's like hobbled over in fear. We capture one of them after I tear two two of them to pieces. Yes. We walk outside the tavern. The rest of the group wants to go into the sewers. I say, no, no one's going into the sewers at night. We're going to go to the graveyard where that giant massive beam is up in the air. <laughs> so we potter across to, across to the graveyard, fight some orcs, um, go into this uh, mausoleum, 
go through some kind of dungeon, turn up finding this kind of big pillar of light being shot into the air through this kind of um, through this uh, it's like dungeon. An Oculus, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, turns out there's some giant wizard, evil wizard guy he's down he's there. Not a giant like, wizard. He's just a regular wizard. size wizard. Right, fine. There's this wizard <laughs> guy who's like, his name's like. Derek or something. <laughs> What's his name? Lee? Draydan. Draydan. Derek. Derek. So Derek the evil wizard is like <laughs> summoning this big pillar of light, and we're like, no, let's let's stop it. I think everyone's like, let's get let's get a better look at him. See, <laughs> I'm like, screw this. Let's let's take him on. So we kind of defeat him. I throw him into the pillar of light, uh, but that doesn't do any damage to him. He's like, he gets pretty pissed off and then vanishes, or we vanish and end up in a pile of shit outside. Is it, As you can tell, we take our role playing very, very seriously. We, what were we covered in? We yeah, covered it was in like the contents of a bedpan. Yeah, yeah, it was fine. basically an old lady's piss. There you go. So no, no shit involved, but covered in <laughs> piss out in this alleyway. Um, so yeah, and that's kind of. And then we went to the wizard, the wizard place. Where was that? The College oh, of Magic. College of Magic. Yeah. The College of Mag. The College of Magic. College yeah. of Magic. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's what I called it. Oh, it's fine. definitely right. Are you sure? So we went there. Tom went to the loo because he was bursting. Um, <laughs> and then we investigated a bit more and found out this guy is a pretty evil wizard um, man who'd struck a pact with the devil or something like that. Some evil man, maybe death. Can't remember exactly. Uh, but he lives in some kind of floating palace in the sky. Um, <laughs> so we need to get there. Um, so wow. we've, we've kind of like stopped the quest there after trying to buy some weapons. Um, so that, that that's my summary of the story, Lee. How, how that, I mean, can, can you give me a the point of, out of ten? Out of, out of ten, you're at about a six. I mean, the kind of beats are there, but it's not quite. I'll I'll put the uh, for anyone who's interested. I'll put the kind of story so far in the show notes, or maybe on a blog post on our blog. Um, <laughs> maybe maybe it'll be a bit less butchered than Adam's attempt at retelling the story there. Oh come on, it was pretty accurate. What yeah. did I miss out? There was there's a like <laughs> evil wizard guy that lives underground. Derek Derek the <laughs> Derek giant the wizard. wizard. <laughs> Derek the giant wizard. But then anyway, so that's kind of a high level of where we've got to at the moment. <laughs> high level. High level kind of overview. Like we don't details, Lee. Details. Yeah. Like I've got to you through from where we started to where we finished with minimal detail required. Right. Well, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> there was once a wizard, and we played an RPG. The end. <laughs> right. So, so yeah. Anyway, we're playing it using the Genesis system, which um, is Fancy Flight Games is generic RPG system um, I think we have mentioned it before so I won't go into too much detail but what do you um, what do you make of it as a system I mean neither of us are massively experienced with RPGs I mean we've played a few in our time haven't we over the years with various people how do you find it as an RPG system I mean I've got I've got to be honest it's probably one one of if not the best RPG system I've used okay. Um the reasons for that are quite simple, and that's that I, I just I hate the crunchy mechanics within RPGs. I mm. like the storytelling aspects. I want to be able to say this is what I want to do, and also tell part of that story myself. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have to work out a bunch of maths to figure out if my character who weighs a certain value is wearing heavy armor, so that increases his weight when he tries to jump across a certain distance. Like it just becomes like boring. Mm. Like, and then 
the entire success or failure is based on the roll of one dice, yeah, like a d20. And it just, for me, it just doesn't feel like it represents what is actually going on. Hmm. But Genesis enables you to take a bunch of dice with symbols on them that represent positive effects or negative effects. And you roll them, and then you tell the story as they come out. It's like, I've described it many times, like scrying bones. And it really does feel like that. You know, I, I say this is what I want my character to do. Um, you set the difficulty level you say okay well you can have more negative dice than positive dice but ultimately you roll the dice you count the symbols up and then you you get to tell the story the outcome so Mm. it could be that my character failed at what I was trying to do but because I rolled some advantage actually I discovered something else or something else happened within the story that left me in a more favourable situation for the next turn and I think that's really important it means that the group isn't left feeling like their but their roles are down to just being pure success and failure. There are some other it's less things that play. Binary, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, you've got degrees of success and failure. I think yeah, that's. I'd say that's probably one of the best things. Like you, you can like, like you. I'm not a huge fan of crunch. Like I know RPGs tend to be more detailed than many many war games that we play, but I just think crunch is not for me. Like I'd rather tell the story. And while you can go right down to really kind of detailed mechanics, like I've seen rules out there for cooking and things like that, which is just insane if you ask me, but, you know, some people like it. But you you can equally, you can, you know, you could almost glaze over an encounter with a single kind of dice roll in Genesis, which, you know, if you're, for the sake of speed, is is useful, but you can also go down to that nitty-gritty level of, yeah, you know, you're, you're wearing heavy armor, it's raining, it's at night, you're trying to leap this chasm, okay, well, that's going to be four difficulty dice or something. You know, it's yeah. it's a lot quicker to work out than it would be some other ones where you have to, like, consult a load of tables and charts to work out exactly which dice to roll and what number you need and all this kind of stuff. So I do like that, definitely. I'd, I'd probably say, yeah, again, from the RPG systems I've played over the years, it's it's definitely the, the quickest one to pick up. And the fact that I've been able to teach several people who aren't into tabletop games at all to play it and you know people i think it's pretty quick to pick up isn't it? i don't think anyone really has any huge issues with it other than maybe remembering what the symbols do which will come with time but the actual the core rules are pretty simple wouldn't you say yeah i mean the one thing that i found maybe slightly harder to get to grips with is just the kind of the actions that you can take and mm. what that represents. I think it's been a lot easier the second time round when you gave us kind of the action sheet and yeah. what that kind of means, just because it gives you some pointers as to what the dice can mean potentially, yeah. especially with the advantage and the disadvantage when they're rolled. Mm. Um, but in general, it's it's a really good system. Everyone that doesn't... It, it just is it's simple to explain. And I think there's been several games recently that I've played where they've opted to not use um, numbered dice and use symbols instead Mm. and they do this because it just lowers that kind of barrier to people entering the game and then having fun like having to work out maths and be like is this the optimum role that I need and just pick up some dice roll them and tell a story right yeah figure out what's happening yeah I think that definitely cuts down on the accessibility actually Uh, sorry makes the accessibility better if if you're not like you know it's easier to sort of say where you're looking for the explosion symbol on these dice and rather than oh you need a three or more and then you, you kind of it's easier to say then oh well you know you you need to cancel these explosions with this symbol 
rather than oh yeah, but if you roll a four or a five, you do this, and it's and it's people a lot like less... rolling loads of dice, right? There's yeah. something satisfying about picking up a wad of dice and rolling them, yeah. And being like, the... Oh yes, a success! Indeed, indeed. Brilliant. <laughs> I mean, especially when you're like, I'm going to try and ta- rugby tackle this uh, <laughs> this wizard guy. And then all of a sudden everyone's like, no, don't do it. And then you roll like the critical success and you're like, <laughs> you've thrown him into the pillar of light and he shot up into the air and disappeared. <laughs> I'm like, how did that even happen? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know my own strength. And then there's Tom in the corner that's like, oh, look, he's got an orc bodyguard. So could we try and pay him off? No, Tom, you cannot <laughs> no. pay off this orc bodyguard. I draw my sword. <laughs> <laughs> Man. But it's, yeah, it's, it's been good. I think I'm, I'm very, very pleased with how it's gone. Uh, in in terms of like the Genesis system and the Star Wars RPG, which obviously is the same system pretty much verbatim, um, I really do like it. And I, uh, is there anything you would change about it? Do you think at all? Can you think of anything? Uh, the, in terms of the Genesis system, yeah, yeah, um, yeah not my story. How dare you? Oh. How dare you insinuate that we change my story? Um, in terms of the Genesis system, I think no. Like at the moment, from what I've played, I've really enjoyed it, and actually, from what I've seen, it's it's so like the name Genesis lend is because it's meant to be gen- generic system. Yeah, isn't it? yeah. Um, I really do think that it's such a good baseline system that you can grow anything off it, mm. and I've actually even gone away thinking. Actually, I could build a Lovecraft RPG around this, like a Cthulhu RPG. So everyone's racist. (laughs) (laughs) That's one of the skills, Lee, don't worry. I'll make sure that you're at the top. Plus four in racism. Okay. Um, But there's loads of other systems. Obviously, you've done done one in the Star Wars universe. Um, Obviously, I would have preferred it if it was in the Star Trek universe, but, you know, we have to to accommodate, you know, the the more simple minds. Um, Like you. You. Me? Yeah. I'm fine with Star Trek. What are you talking about? I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm just winding you up. Oh, okay. It's fine. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's a really great system. Really simple to get your head around. Um, and I think it makes playing RPGs a lot more fun. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree. I think if I was to recommend... I think if anyone who's looking to get into RPGs and is maybe a bit daunted by the kind of... I say, you know, the crunchiness of say D and D or Pathfinder, which can be quite rules heavy from what I'm led to believe. I've not, I've I've seen enough videos of people playing them and talked to a few people who play it themselves, and it it seems a lot heavier than, you know, it's not that accessible. Um, but with Genesis, I think you you can get away with it. It's it's quite, it's rules light, I suppose, but that's kind of paying it a disservice. It's definitely a lot simpler to get into, I think, than other RPGs, and I'd recommend it, I think. Well, no, no I don't say I think. I, I definitely would. The only the only downside, I think, that a lot of people have with it is that the Genesis core book is purely a framework. It is, these are the rules. This is how you play this system. Off you go. You know, it gives you, like, a few suggestions. Like, oh, yeah, you know, this is how you would stat an orc. This is how you would stat a cyberpunk hacker this is how you would stat a space lion or whatever because obviously fantasy flight have plans to introduce each of their various universes i would love a twilight imperium one it's coming it's it's coming um so for for somebody who's completely new to rpgs it may be a little bit hard the system itself is is great and the, the book is brilliant to teach you that but then you would also need the a source book on top of it if you're but you can find these online, right? Most yeah, yeah. So many like people it. have done like their own. Uh, there's like you know, there's I've seen a Destiny one, a Fallout one, a Harry Potter one, a 
oh god, there's there's so many the fantasy flight games forums. There's a there's a whole forum just dedicated to people's settings that they've come up with using the Genesis system. So, the, you know, there's there's plenty of options out there. But it's if it's your first RPG, just be prepared that you will have to do a little bit of legwork yourself. It's not all laid out for you like some other RPG systems would be in their books. The the other option is is that you go down the Star Wars route, which is the same system with a few it's minor minor differences. That is in an established universe, and obviously there's a lot more material out there for it. If if you're into Star Wars, I definitely recommend it. Or Star Trek. Or Star Trek. You could do a Star Trek Genesis one if if you want. If you want to if you want to sit on a bridge and talk stuff, and then send your most prized officer down to a planet that may not even have a breathable, breathable atmosphere yet, always does every week conveniently. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it, it it applies. It's I think it would work for any. I I struggle to think of a system where you couldn't use Genesis for it. I mean, one of, one of the challenges that I've definitely found in playing the RPG, um, I think, especially where some of the characters are specced towards more support or um, um, like uh, healer roles, yeah, you know, roles that maybe don't include as much combat. When there's some quite heavy combat encounters, I think uh, the, if you're not used to knowing what your role is, mm. you still want to get involved in the action but it's usually at the peril of your character, right? And yeah. A lot of the time it's actually to support the other characters that are good at those encounters. Yeah. Um, and I think maybe the system... Um, maybe this is just in RPGs in general and playing with new players is that just teaching them what, or getting them to learn what their role is and what they're good at and making sure there are opportunities in each of the scenarios to let them shine maybe I yeah, don't, yeah i don't I know that's, that's kind of a, no that's a valid point i think as a gm you you've got, obviously yeah, you've got to cater for all the roles in the party and yeah if, if like you say if it's a newer player they might not be used to you know they might just i know my wife when she plays skyrim it doesn't matter what she does she'll just go and hit things it's like it doesn't matter it's like are you a stealth character well i've got a few stealth skills but actually no i'm just gonna go and swing my sword at this thing because that's the most effective way to kill it and you know that some people that's that's the only kind of way of playing that they know you know it's it all depends so because it's weird like that what that one encounter that we had at the end actually me being a pretty tanky uh cat man mm. <laughs> um i still took that hit from the orc and i think if that was anyone else they would have got one shotted like yeah. straight down and i was left i went down to like from 14 health to like two health mm. and i had soak four which is like basically my armor yeah um like anyone else but it, it, yeah it's just learning like how your characters play and where best to be and kind of like how to deal with some of those encounters yeah and I think I think it's a uh, you know RPGs are in general collaborative they're not um, adversarial kind of games so it's down to you know myself as the GM and also the players yeah to make sure that we all kind of work together to make sure that everyone has an opportunity to shine and speed up yeah, there's a lot of... I mean, I've noticed this with, with all the RPGs, that there can be a lot of stalling where people... I think uh, the the biggest one that springs to mind is when one Star Wars party took an hour to shop. But that was my own fault. I, I gave him free reign. I was like, what do you want to buy? And then said, here's a spreadsheet that lists nearly everything in this particular universe, which was completely fucking stupid of me. I don't know what I was thinking. I should have just said, right, you can buy a blaster or you can buy some armour. What do you want? That would have been. That would have solved it. That would have not wasted. That would have given us that hour back. But sadly, it didn't. So I've learnt my lesson on that one now. But yeah, there, there can be. I think that's that's true of any RPG though. Like I think I'm maybe a bit too nice to say, "Come on, guys, hurry the fuck up." Yeah. But maybe I need to when it when it starts to stall. Or that I don't know. 
But what I would say, and this is testament to how you run games, is that you're, you've gone and picked up all the miniatures, you've painted them all, you've definitely really helped in the kind of immersion factor of the kind of the fantasy universe that we're obviously playing, and also the from what I've heard, the Star Wars one as well. Like, you providing that extra level of reference for all the players is is really valuable. And it's obviously the amount of effort that you've put into it is noted oh. by everyone. Oh. Oh, cheers. That's actually one, actually, that's one thing that I could bring up here, that there's a lot of people that I see this on every kind of on all of the fantasy flight role playing boards that like you know use Genesis or the Star Wars system there's a lot of people asking oh you know can I use miniatures with this system and there's so many people that shut them down and say no no you can't it doesn't translate and there's a number of reasons I won't go into too much detail but I think they're wrong because the the fact is you yeah you can't use miniatures in the traditional sense like you can with D&D where one square equals what is it four foot or something and one round of combat is six seconds because it's a lot more fluid than that in genesis and star wars so what you have to do is kind of disregard any squares on any maps and miniatures you're using and just say well this corridor is probably about 30 feet long so it would take you one maneuver to get from one end to the other or, or whatever however you want to play it so like you know that kind of distance between this miniature and a miniature at the end of the hallway is I don't know, medium range, unless you're partway down the corridor, in which case it goes short. You know, you have to play a bit fast and loose. So I think anyone looking to get into this who wants to use miniatures, which I think is the the best way to play RPGs I personally. D- I, I definitely think, think it helps the the newer players mm. understand what's going on. Yeah. It's visual storytelling, right? Yeah. It helps them like understand the situation, the context to where they are and what they're dealing with. Mm. Yeah, very much so. I think anyone who says that you can't play these systems with miniatures is 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 wrong. Yeah, no, definitely wrong. I mean, I I, I hate to say that someone's opinion is wrong, but like it, we've shown that it works. You know, I've not had any yeah, issues yeah, with it. So I, I think you know, hopefully, these other people who are asking the question, can they use miniatures with it, aren't deterred by the naysayers on various forums yeah. and reddits and things like that there's always going to be purists out there that are like yeah. rpgs cannot be played with miniatures and you just use like uh, your your imagination theater of the mind i theater. believe is what they call it which theater. is cool which it, it works i mean god i've had to do that a few times where i've had to blag an encounter because someone's thrown something at me left field and i'm like right okay well i don't have i don't have a map for this so let's do it in our heads and it works don't get me wrong but it's it's not a patch on seeing the actual map on the table with the miniatures on it right yeah for sure and i think uh yeah we'll we'll, we'll definitely have to keep you you guys updated on the tale of the spicy rat and our adventures in tackling derek the evil wizard (laughs) derek the giant wizard Okay, so that was the the main course. I guess we're on to like the uh, the the meat course. I guess if the meat like... course and the main course. Lee. Yeah, like the you main know, like course. If you go out for Italian, course. you have like no, you have like in Italian food, you have like your fish dish and your meat pasta type. So which dish. one's the main course then? Well, I don't know. Um, the the non fish. By definition, we're on to dessert already. Well, I guess that yeah, we're we're saving the best till last. Then this is the dessert course. If you're gonna, but what what was the starter then? I don't know. Well, the starter must have been the, the what have we been playing this week, this month. I guess so, yeah. yeah. We just skipped the fish course. Skip the fish. All right, okay. No fish then. <laughs> no fish. <laughs> We've had enough fish. <laughs> anyway, we digress. Um, this section is about, Adam? Twilight Imperium. <laughs> Fourth edition. Fourth edition, yes. Yeah, don't forget that, that important caveat. 
Um, so, yeah, what is Twilight Imperium for anyone who is unfamiliar? Any new listeners or anyone who's just not that aware of Twilight Imperium? Because I certainly wasn't until we played it. Really? Yeah, I had like I'd, 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 I'd heard somebody mention it, and I was like, "Oh, what what is Twilight Imperium?" Thinking it was like a, I thought it was like a point and clicky like you know point F- and clicky game. Yeah, oh like my F- goodness. FTL or oh, Civ or leech. the original Fallout. That's Hush what I now, was Hush now, child. Okay, I shall, me. Ta- I shall tell you the story of <laughs> Twilight Imperium. <laughs> um, <In that. laughs> uh, so yeah, Twilight Imperium is a four uh, X game. So uh, produced by Fantasy Flight Games. It's set in space. 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 <laughs> Do not understand, human. Um, so yeah, it's a it's an epic game. It's designed to be probably the biggest game in uh, fantasy. So you're saying epic in the like you know the, the hip cool yeah it was epic man or you mean like it's epic as in it's broad scope as in it's it's epic. <laughs> I'm not sure how to describe that in terms of You're the, talking about the, the scope of the it, right? scope yeah, and yeah. the scale of everything okay. that's going on and everyone that's involved. So this is a uh, 4X game, uh, sci-fi, um, 17 races to choose from, caters for three to six players, although there are rules out there to go more than six players, but the core game is, is three to six players. Um, very much kind of a... This game is going to last you anywhere between eight to twelve hours um, yeah, to, to play. Game. It's not. It's not a quick game. It's a slow game. But it doesn't. That doesn't make it sound. It makes it sound like it's it's long and monotonous. But it's no, definitely it's not because really not, time really just not. flies when you're playing it because mm. of all of the interactions that are going on. Um, I think typically a turn takes maybe one hour to one and a half hours. Um, depending yeah, on yeah, I guess well, between six of you is actually yeah, that's maybe what ten minutes each. Precisely, it's not actually that long if no. you actually add it up. No. Um, so yeah, you've got all of these different races that you can choose from who have got all unique abilities mm-hmm. and play slightly differently. Um, lots of different cool uh, miniature spaceships and stuff that you purchase and put on the board. The board itself is built out of like custom tiles that are all. Uh, can be randomised or they provide you with like a standard layout that you can use as well Mm. Um, and it's all about kind of uh, I mean the game a lot of it is about negotiation and tactics and diplomacy positioning Mm. more than anything else I find so the kind of goal of Twilight Imperium is uh, to take control um, of the main uh, planetary system in the middle called Meta- Metacol Rex. Is, is that really the game well, though? Because it's like I guess, I it guess helps it's not. but it's not necessarily you don't win the game by the, the initial, it, the initial aim really is to kind of head to that Metacol Rex um, but I guess you're right in, in that the winner is the person that hits 10 objective points first mm. that's the winner of the game um, but the game itself is set around the fact that you've, you're all basically warring over this kind of uh, main system which is called Metacol Rex um, that you want to capture and own you want to be the like ruler of the the universe mm. um, and to do that you want to take your seat on the kind of political throne of Metacol Rex yeah it goes a long way to helping you I think win um, the game so yeah we that's kind of a brief overview for the game each each turn is governed by a set of new objectives that are revealed 
um, as the game goes on, the objectives are worth more points. Mm-hmm. Um, players have secret objectives as well that they might need to do, and that's typically how you score your points. Um, you you build things in the game to build things. You need resources to get resources. You need to capture planets. There's a limited amount of planets, so often people are in conflict over the ones that have the best resources on. Um, everyone pretty much starts within biting distance of the next person. It's mad, actually. I was just thinking that, like, despite how big the board is, I mean, we filled your dining table with it and the six of us sat around it. And if you guys follow us on Instagram, you'll be able to see loads of pictures on there um, mm. of us, of our recent playthrough. Yeah, it's like, for such a big board, it actually, you don't have that much space to, like, manoeuvre. Like, it's not a bad thing. It's just kind of like, yeah, if I go more than a couple of spaces one way or the other, I'm on someone's doorstep and that's... It's good because I guess it kind of eliminates any kind of, well, I've got miles to go until I even get anywhere near somebody, which is quite good. So, yeah, it's it's really... It it creates that kind of heightened conflict or tension very quickly within the game. Definitely, definitely feels like it's a it's almost like a cold war isn't it like there's, yeah. there's, there's you're just waiting for someone to press the big red button to go nuclear almost yeah and then there's um there's a few extra phases that they introduce later on in the game that involve a lot more diplomacy so like the galactic senate kind of comes together and yeah, you start the, the, voting the, on the, the dick over the military might phase as i like to call it <laughs> so and, and, and lots of different gameplay elements come into play you know to to win it's not just about um taking over other people's planets it's about a lot about achieving those objectives and some of them might be research more technology than everyone Mm. else some of them might be trade resources with other people or spend trade goods Mm. there's so many different ways to achieve victory um and every playthrough so far has been quite unique in how everyone's kind of escalated their own force and tried to achieve victory yeah so will i think it's probably there, there is like warfare in it and there is combat in it but I don't I, I struggle to see how you would win the game purely through combat I don't think you can I don't think you'd score enough points and you haven't got enough turns to eliminate every player you, I mean, which is good because I mean it, like the, the, the true kind of art of, of winning the game is, is not one on a, on a bunch of dice rolls it's, it's all about you know how, how well you can manipulate the opposition and you know, fulfil your agendas whilst sort of blocking people from doing theirs. I quite like that. Yeah. I mean, one of the one of the things that we talked about specifically after the game was the use of these um, trade agreements that you have. They're like... Oh, a, the oh promissory sorry, they're promissory notes. notes. Yeah, I, th- which I, is another I didn't actually weigh mechanic. in on that. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's, it is an advanced mechanic that is, you know, you can introduce. And we've used it in both our games so far. And yeah I think I agree with you they didn't really add a lot like the issue that I've got is that they don't seem to add a lot at this stage and maybe it's because we're just like we've only played it twice so we don't mm. really know how to use them correctly at the moment but the issue that I had is you've got five or six promissory notes yeah the first one that goes is pretty much to one of your neighbours and that kind of shores up your one side border and then you kind of push on the other one and you put a lot of your, lot more of your military on the other one, which instantly creates this conflict where these you've only got two factions that are escalating against each other and your other border's kind of secured and you've got to get out of jail free card if someone yeah. attacks you on it. And I almost feel like that takes a bit of fun out of negotiating that ceasefire in the first place and being like, do I actually trust you to de-escalate my border? 
yeah, and, yeah. and maybe and, I, and maybe it's the next game I just want to maybe try it without those promissory notes so what, just you still allow it, ceasefires but it have to be yeah. purely on word alone 100%, yeah. 100% like, I don't mind a ceasefire going ahead but I just find that cease, the card in itself is at the moment I think maybe it's just the way in which we give them away so quickly maybe um, yeah yeah. everyone's so quick to be like oh do you want to be friends yeah okay you can have that and I'll just put my force on the other border mm. um, I just want to see how it would be if you have to negotiate that ceasefire, but then you're you, you have to trust them to not put stuff on. That Maybe because there's like I think each race has its own like unique one, doesn't it? As mm. well as the kind of generic ceasefire ones. Yeah. Maybe like maybe try and get rid of the ceasefire ones, but keep the trade agreement and the yeah. race specific ones. Maybe maybe yeah. that's what we need to do. So you can because I think the trade agreement was quite an interesting one because it's like the the second if you exchange that trade agreement with someone, the second they replenish their commodities, you gain trade goods. Which are trade goods are really valuable. They can be used like as a currency for various things. Oh yeah, definitely. So and that, I, and that, that made that. it interesting. Yeah, I, I used it as well, and I thought it was really good. But yeah, the ceasefire one is definitely a. It's an odd one, especially that it can be traded around. Although it was quite a funny situation the first time we played. So there are a few things that I've um, looked up uh, after the the game, and one of those mm. is that you don't necessarily need to trade an like a face-up trade agreement. You can yeah. actually trade them face down. Okay. So you say, I'm going to give you a trade agreement and you're going to give me one and you don't have to tell them exactly what it is. Oh, so you could screw is. someone over and say, so actually, you could screw them one, You could tell them. So you don't have to trade it face-up unless you specifically ask mm. for it. And okay. then they could refuse that as well. Like, yeah. if you don't you trust me to trade it? And I think it would be nice to explore if that works or not. Mm, yeah, potentially, yeah. Um, but in, ge- in general, like, how, how, how did you find your second playthrough? Well, I thought it was great because I, I won technically, but <laughs> no, actually, I really <laughs> I enjoyed it. I would say you technically won. You won. Yeah, yeah I did. But, um, <laughs> well, we class it as a joint victory as a bit of a house rule because it was a bit. I don't necessarily like the like. And I, I saw a few people sort of weigh in on our Instagram feed. It's like losing by initiative is a bit rubbish. Like it should just be score everyone at the end of the game and see where they come. Yeah. And yeah, technically, it was a joint victory, which I think was the fairest way after 12 hours of yeah. solid game. And I think that's... It's a bit like a, sh- a shitty version of cricket, isn't it? Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, it is, but it's... No, it's, it's better than cricket, surely. Right. We had, know, we had no, a lot no, more sorry, fun yeah, after yeah, 12 yeah. hours. Like, um, I lost my train of thought there. What was I saying? How did I enjoy it? Yeah, I think it was good. Uh, really good. The fact that... You know, we got we got around here, what, about nine o'clock in the morning? I mean, to be honest, we waited like an hour for Tom to turn up because he is yeah, slow. he is. He was late. Terrible. But even then, yeah, you know, we played on till around sort of nine, ten o'clock at night. And it was, yeah, it wasn't like full on, yeah, we've got to get this done. You know, we took our time. We enjoyed it. Nobody, nobody, I didn't get the impression that anyone was bored. You know, it's, it's good fun. There's a lot of banter around the table. And yeah, just the way the game, like the first time we played, I was like, right, I'm just going to throw as much on the board as I can. And, and, you know, I'll be like a nuclear deterrent. No one's going to want to touch me if they see I've got a massive fleet. And in the end, that that didn't really work for me. You know, I I think I was bottom of the table when when we scored up at the end. So this time I was like, okay, well, let's, if I can't win by military might, let me try, I'll try and be a bit political about it. So I'll, I'll go for the the uh, central is it uh, Mechatol Rex I mean you planet. chose the perfect race for that though, right? yeah yeah they, so they had like they a, a bonus to pick the place up I mean I had enough uh, influence to grab it anyway if I wasn't them but but yeah, yeah. you didn't have to spend the influence to remove no. them and also you gained the bonus stuff on them you got the P, uh, the PDS on the which is the, the point uh, defence yes. and you also yeah. gained a space stock yeah true actually that was quite good so I thought yeah I'll, 
I thought I'll, I'll go for less military might and more, I suppose, political might, although I was still producing a fair bit of fleet kind of stuff. But I, I made sure that I looked at my objectives this time rather than sort of worrying about what other people were doing. I just tried to go for my own and then yeah. dealt with things as they came up. I definitely felt the... Um felt a bit of pressure from my secret objectives this time. I think some other people had some really easy ones and mine were both like control four cultural planets or co- control four industrial some ones. Some of them were really hard, Ones that yeah. were quite hard to do and I was like, oh, Jesus, how am I meant to do this? Yeah, and especially if you... Because we randomly assigned the start positions, although we used a recommended board setup, the the start positions were randomised. And yeah, if you get screwed over, there, the four cultural planets might be... The other side, of yeah, the... all around the board. You've got no chance of getting there because you, I think, there's only maybe one race that can move through opposing fleets without having to engage them yeah, in combat. Yeah. Is that right? I think so. Which is, I think you can research tech that does that, but yeah, I just, I, I sort of wonder if maybe, I, I don't necessarily think that moving into someone's space should in, instantly initiate combat. I don't know. I, I guess it kind of it has to, otherwise people would just move past yeah. each other and there wouldn't be any issue. But yeah, I, I don't know. So yeah, our last game we had six different races, six ones that we haven't played with before. Yeah, um, good. we had um, a new player as well join the group. Which we did, really yeah. Nice. Hopefully, he had a good time. Which we weren't too ben. weird for him. <laughs> it was Ben, wasn't it? It was Ben. Oh, yes. I've got his yeah, name yeah. right. I'm just yeah, sorry. I wonder why you looked at me there. Yeah, it was Ben. Yes. Um, yeah, it was a pleasure to have around, which was good. Um, who were the six races? Can you remember? Uh, so you played as the winner. Um, winners, the winners, the winners. Win- the <laughs> um, we had the Yasari tribes, or Yasiral tribes. Which oh, is were that the space columns? Players. Yeah, space yes. columns. Yeah, looked like Schmeagel. Um I played as the Barony of Letnev, which are kind of like your space rockers, like Kiss in space. Oh, is that them? Yeah. Oh, excellent. <laughs> um, we had uh, the Ghosts of Croesus. Croesus, Croesus. I'm not sure how you pronounce um, it. That's yeah, they were like blade. alien wormhole technology and they are dicks. We had the Sardak Nor, who were uh, the ones Bless that... Bless you, who? <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> you, Sardak Nor. And um, that's who Luke played as. And then we also had the Necrovirus. Oh, uh, yes, the Necrovirus, yeah. Which the don't, Necrovirus. They're, they're quite interesting because they don't actually take part in any political kind of... When the political... The agenda phase, sorry, which is the politics kind of side of the game, when that eventually turns up, they don't actively participate in any of the votes so what they do is they predict the outcome and if they're correct they basically get to research tech isn't it or something I think so and they also as soon as they kill something in space combat they basically assimilate tech so. mm. yeah, yeah they're a Borg analogy basically aren't they yeah but you know I think everyone had fun it was really interesting to see how it played out you definitely did well to secure medical wrecks and get those couple of extra imperial points which laser I really think laser focused I was like right that's it's the the Winu are effectively they are custodians of that planet they are the rightful heirs so they have a little bit of an easier time taking command of it Yeah. so I was like you know what I'm going to play to character I'm just going to go straight for it Stake my claim, get the flag in the ground, and then see what. Yeah, comes and from I think there. our our issue was no one really removed you from that soon enough. Like we put a should have put the pressure on you, but yeah. I think there was just a bit too much spread, and everyone. Well, maybe this is because we don't play the game that much, but no one really felt like risking their 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 balls basically to get in there and try and take you yeah. out. So you kind of left you there for a couple of turns to 
your own devices and I think that maybe let you castle up a bit cash in on the Imperials and then you also mm. did quite a lot of the trade goods as well yeah point. I mean it was when I started looking at the objective I thought you know that was one thing I, I made the mistake of the first time we played was I didn't look at the objectives at all which is so yeah rule number one is like you know you look at your objectives and you you play the fucking objective is like that's the that's the acronym that everyone spouts on online games it's like you know do your objectives and that's how you win the game it's not about killing the other guy like what well, it usually is but you're like the biggest pacifist in those games one day I'm going to get drawn right next to you and all I'm going to do is just attack you like that's going to be my goal to do nothing but just player attack elimination you. Yeah. it's like getting tea on Lee because you oh, no, I'm not going to eliminate you dead. I'll push you back to your home planet and be like you can <laughs> just leave one, just one leave infantry there. left be like yeah but yeah I thought this time right I'm just going to look at the objectives I'll play to character and I'll you know yeah it worked out like I was able to get quite a few early victory points just with some of the the you have like public and secret objectives so the public ones everyone's aware of secret ones are each race has one or two in secret isn't it that you can try and fulfil and I just thought like some of the ones that came up was like well I've got this trade agreement so I'll do that that's a victory point I've got this one where I have to spend a lot of trade goods again I'll do that you know it's it, it, it I think everything sort of came up millhouse as it were for me which was good <laughs> um but yeah I, I can see like some objectives can be harder to fulfill like there was one what was it like have more than six planets or something that had more than oh, yeah just like some of those public I mean are there many other I think they're meant objectives? to be quite challenging though like once you do one of those and a couple of the other ones you're on yes, your yeah you're flying aren't you at that point yeah but yeah, I think it was a really, really good day. You know, it was a, a, a great laugh with the six of us. And, you know, yeah, there was a, a new addition to the group who we, none of us had met, well, a few of us had met before. Um, there was one of the guys, he's never played any sort of big board games like that. He's played a few. So I think we all all enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah, we, we all had a really good time. So what would what would be, if you if you could change anything for next time, what would you change and, and why? Different fucking ship miniatures for every race, but oh, that's no rubbishly. That, that'd be amazing. Where am I going to store all of that? <laughs> Jesus, like the box is big enough. Get another cabinet. No, rubbish. I'm not doing that. We've already got like individual tokens for each of the 17 races. Don't need that. Yeah, that's mental. I don't know why they've done that. Why they didn't just do, you know, a purple token, a yellow token, a black. Token. Oh, I don't know. But um, what would I change? I. <sighs> Part of me would like to see the board set up randomised, but the problem with that is like twofold. You've got the added time of setting that up, but also it's it could potentially be a lot less balanced. I th- well, I think there are actually a lot of rules around what tiles have to be placed where. Okay. Like, so I don't think it's as random as what you think it is. Right. Okay. Um, but I still think there are a few bits in there that at least mix it up a bit. So mm. you might end up with more cultural planets near. Okay. Needs to be. but I'm, I'm not sure we should give it a go mm. I wonder if it's like is the six player one always in that kind of configuration yeah. that kind of hexagon or can you do it like in a different no, can you have always... like a rectangular setup with like three on either side like uh, again I think it's just designed to keep that kind of two spaces between everyone okay that makes sense um, but so yeah I'd definitely like to try the three player variant yeah that'd be interesting to see how long that actually takes between three of us as well that'd yeah. be quite good and I'd also, but yeah, just like to try it without the promissory notes, just because mm. I think that, or, or like you say, just remove the ceasefire and just let people negotiate their own ceasefires. Yeah, I think, yeah, um, that, that could be a, a definitely an interesting variant. I think, you know, what's that? We, in the last year, we've played it twice. So I guess, you know, the next one is 
around six months time I guess isn't it yeah although if we do something sooner it'd be great to just give it a go as a three player game yeah oh yeah yeah we definitely do that yeah sorry I was talking the big oh the, the big one the big kahuna. the big yeah but we kind of yeah we we let this one slip a bit so it's been ten months since we last played it but yeah we definitely have to get something in a bit sooner next time awesome So that brings us to the end of uh, episode 8 of the Average Gamers podcast. We've had fun, haven't we, Lee? Yeah, it's been all right. <laughs> oh, so yeah. much. Remember, Adam, enthusiasm. <laughs> Whatever, Lee. Yeah, no, it's been great. It's been good fun. So thank you very much, guys, for listening. Uh, please, 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 if you're interested in the show, follow us on the socials. Lee, what are our socials? Uh, you've got Instagram, which is The Average Gamers, all one word. Uh, Facebook is facebook.com forward slash average gamers podcast we've got Twitter which is average underscore gamers and if you're old fashioned you can send us an email averagegamerspod at gmail.com one thing we would like to say if you are listening to us on iTunes or any other podcast platform please 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 do give us a review because it really helps like give us a bit more exposure and like you know gets us out there hopefully it's a positive review make sure it's a positive review but, um, yeah, no we... one stars or we will find you and we will cut you <laughs> but yeah no seriously thank you very much for listening guys yeah uh, thanks very much it. guys we'll uh, see you on the next episode ta for now <laughs>